Hello, friends and fellow adventurers. Welcome to the MinMax Podcast. Okay, it's doing it again. Maybe it has to do with intention? Now I'm watching my track disappear as I speak. And if you're right, David, this will go straight into the second release. That's unnerving. Aw, shit, that means this is live to an extent, isn't it? Okay. It's currently July 17th, 2021, a week after our first release. We're not really sure what's happening. Uh, What you heard last week was the very first take of what was going to be a full adventure teaser for Return of the Rune Lords. There were other takes, but you heard the first. Part of it, at least. After last week's release, though, we re-recorded the episode, intending on just replacing what was there with the correct audio and hoping no one noticed. I had to have tried uploading that audio hundreds of times, yet it remains as it is. So, here we are, on the day of our second release, watching audio vanish into the ether and praying to Desna it ends up where it needs to end up. We had character introductions planned for today's release, but things are so confusing. You somehow met characters we played in the past. Craig, the guy who played Wyeth's character, isn't even on the pod. David was there too, but the Traveler was not the character David used when we played Rise of the Rune Lords. <laughs> no, no, David's Mithril Dragon PC was a lot of things, but he was absolutely not quiet or old. And what the fuck am I doing there? Once more, you find yourself seated in the Mithril Dragon Wagon. This time, you find your sight relatively quickly. The orange glow from the Ransur mounted on the wall is prevalent, as before. The old man sitting where he was during your first visit. The wind is a soft flutter coming from a window that hangs open, displaying a beautiful view of the star-filled night sky and a bright half The Traveler, as you recall him being referred to as, finishes jotting a note in a notebook before turning to face you. Ah, you've returned. The Traveler sets his notebook and pencil next to him on the seat and reaches over to a satchel to pull out a large leather-bound book. He looks to you with a friendly smile. You know, I've been humming that tune for many days ever since I first heard it. Quite catchy, really. The Traveler reaches back to his notebook to jot down a few more notes. A thought seemed to have struck him. Something that begged to be written down before the thought took flight. Once complete, the notebook is closed tightly and deftly squirreled away into his voluminous robes. Dark blue and comfortable looking this time. I wish to tell you a story today. I've been informed by our ever-knowledgeable Salmara that people from your world have general knowledge of our world. Some of you have startlingly accurate knowledge of the places and the peoples in Galarian. And the history of my world? Your knowledge of Eon's past is incredible. 
often matching or exceeding our own greatest historians from across the inner sea and beyond. The Traveler's expression grows dark. However, more people's knowledge of our present day is shattered into tens of thousands of realities, all containing their own microcosms of significant deviations. Many major inciting incidents and resolutions to major conflicts are the exception. For example, all these splinters of our present day that we've been able to observe have come under the threat of the Rune Lord of Greed, Karzog. And all of those splinters have Rune Lord Karzog's defeat in them as well. But the true deviations occur in between. While in my world, the Mithril Dragons are responsible for the fall of the Rune Lord of Greed, that is only the case in my splinter of the present day. So the what generally stays the same, but the who, how, and why that is in flux. For a moment, the Traveler peers off into nothing, lost in thought. Hmm, yes. At any rate, the Mithril Dragons, the Wagon, Wyeth, and myself reside in one of these shards of modern-day Galarian. Or at least we should be. Tapping the front of the leather book he pulled out earlier, drawing attention to it, the Traveler holds the book up for you to see. This is a book from our world. It was dictated by Valazan of the Mithril Dragons himself. Transcribed by Westwood Brooks, an author nobody's ever heard of. It is a wonderful perspective on the exploits of the Mithril Dragons. <laughs> Although the narrator can be unreliable at times, it truly stands out among our literature on the subject matter. The Traveler opens the book to the first few pages and smiles broadly. Yes, sir. The forward is a fine place to begin. The author begins with a story, told in the third person, of how he came about all this first-hand information from Volazan himself. It's quite fascinating. In the Naus district of Magnamar can be found dozens upon dozens of shops featuring wares of most conceivable natures. Somewhere among them lives and works the unhappy protagonist of this little story. His name is Westwood Brooks. Why is Westwood Brooks unhappy? He owns a small shop called Brooks Books. But this is not why he is unhappy, not exactly. Westwood is very proud of his small shop and finds it a fortuitous omen indeed that his given name meshes so well with his chosen hobby. Is Westwood in danger? Is he bankrupt? No, not exactly in danger. And he is, moment by moment, finding himself further and further from bankruptcy than he has ever in his life been. Why then is bookshop owner Westwood unhappy? Westwood Brooks started being unhappy about three minutes ago, though the problem formed at least 30 seconds before that. This is because about 30 seconds before Westwood became unhappy, a very strange man managed to read the words, Books, Books, on Westwood's shopfront. Never mind that the man misread the sign, thinking it simply read books twice. The important part here is that this strange man knew that within books one tends to find stories. This man decided he had a story to tell. Hello! Called a big, loud, dumb, and friendly voice in through Westwood's door. Westwood, a small, middle-aged man with spectacles, looked lazily up from his desk to see the owner of the voice he heard. Can I help? Is this where books are made? It says books, books on the sign, he declared loudly. 
Voller can read books, he added even more loudly and with a broad smile. Well, Voller can't read books, but Voller can read books, he concluded confusingly. The strange man stepped into the shop and Westwood's jaw went slack, his eyes wide. This man was huge, his bulky shoulders fitting through the doorframe only by the man turning slightly sideways. He was wearing a filthy breastplate which may have been mostly filthy with dried blood. Westwood Brooks had not occasioned in his life to see much dried blood, but he somehow intuitively knew it would be generously represented in the brown stains on this man's grubby armor. The man had strapped to his back a ludicrously large sword, which almost dragged on the floor even given the madman's ample height. On his face he wore large yellow-tinted goggles, which cast deep shadows completely hiding his eyes. His hair was cut short. Finally, he had balanced on his massive shoulder what appeared to be an entire cask of wine. The man stepped into the small shop and slammed the cask of wine down on the floor in front of the desk behind which Westwood sat. Westwood struggled to speak. He was terrified and decidedly unhappy. What do you want? Voller need help with a book! He smiled broadly at Westwood, as if expecting his unconventional explanation to be perfectly adequate. Westwood fumbled, still very startled. Um, who's Voller? The big man pointed to himself, the smile on his face not diminishing. Voller! Um, why do you speak in the third person? Westwood immediately wondered if it was wise to question the very large and very armed man in such a way. Voller looked around the shop briefly, an obvious countenance of confusion forming. We're third person. Voller knows one more than two is three, and there is only two person, you and Voller. Voller's goggles, very good, would see a third person, probably. Westwood immediately realized asking this question was indeed not wise, but not for the reasons he'd initially feared. Voller looked around for just another moment. Nope, no third person, not even invisible third person. You safe with Voller around, friend. The boisterous man smiled at Westwood, seemingly just waiting for something. Can, can I help you? Voller need help with a book. Westwood took an educated guess. Do you, do you need someone to read a book to you? No, need book written about Voller. Voller need Voller book. And to this point, Voller produced two things. One, a fist-sized bag of jingling coinage was plopped on the desk in front of Westwood. The other was a bottle. Voller shaked it a bit, seemingly listening to hear if there was any liquid in it. There was, and Voller quickly drank this. He then set the bottle on the desk and with his bare hands wrenched at the top of the wine cask briefly until it cracked open with a small splash of wine. He took his bottle then and dunked it, arm and all, into the cask to refill it. He removed it, dripping profusely, and proceeded to drink heartily. Perhaps all those stains aren't blood after all, considered Westwood to himself, as the initial fear which clouded Westwood's mind began to subside. He started thinking more about this Voller person in front of him. Muscles like mountains, and heavily armed, drinking like a fish. Very shouty, but but somehow shouty happy. Westwood reached for the bag of coins, though paused his hand just short. Is this your payment to me for, um, 
Voller book? Yes. Voller finds a fist of gold pays for almost anything. Westwood gently grasped the bag and slid it to himself. He opened it and indeed found gold. The coins were not uniform. They seemed to be from everywhere. But they were all gold. Probably 25 pieces in total. Extremely wealthy, he considered further. And then it hit him. It hit him as hard as the stench of his customer's breath. Your father's son, brother of Kaina, a mithril dragon, a great hero. It was at this point Westwood's unhappiness began to change. Yes, Valerzar, nice to meet you. I, I'm Westwood Brooks. Nice to meet you. What, what exactly do you want? What do you mean you need to follow a book? Voller have stories. Books have stories. Should be a Voller book, but Voller don't write. You, you want me to write a book about you? Yes, Voller book. He took a large swig of wine from his bottle, walked a couple steps over to where a chair sat, pulled it up to the desk at which Westwood was sitting, and plopped down in it. Say when ready. You wish to dictate to me? Ha <laughs> Dick! Ha 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 story! Westwood Brooks Books Books Write Story! I mean, that's not really what I do. I'm sure you could find a scribe somewhere. He looked at the bag of gold on the desk. Many thoughts going through his head. Voller want book! Books Books has books! Westwood found it very hard to argue with the logic of this statement. Largely because it contained none. Well, all right then. I'll be right back. Westwood rose and walked to a cabinet across the shop. He returned with several sheets of parchment, a couple quills, and a bottle of ink. He also had an empty glass. Sliding the glass toward the man seated opposite the desk of him. May I join you? Yes! Voller took the glass and scooped it full of wine before handing it back to Westwood. At first, Westwood tried to keep the inevitable dripping away from the parchment, but considered Voller book might be more authentic if covered in stains. Westwood arranged the papers, dripped and blotted his quill, and looked up at Voller. Where shall we begin? <laughs> A wonderful little tale, and I do love the title page. Um, it reads... Volabook, a rough translation of the words of the man himself, Volazar. His accounts of his adventures, and also the less adventurous things he's done, like sleeping. Also includes his favorite romances, really all of them, and favorite drinks, again, essentially all of them. And the best doors he's destroyed. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, some scholars call Westwood Brooks a fraud. Only a conjurer of false premises and outlandish tales. No sane reader with half a brain would believe. To those who have personally encountered the pillar of a man, however. <laughs> Why, it seems so very on brand for Diavola. The traveler slowly closes the book and rests his hands upon it gently. That seems to be enough for now, wouldn't you say? Your hold here is more clear this second time around, I think. When next you return, we will speak of another member of the Mythal Dragons, which will be for you to decide. Would you like to hear of Wyeth, the famed archer and pilot of the Mithril Dragon Wagon? 
perhaps you wish to hear of the righteous Lord Kynazan of Roseholt in the Iron Peaks. Or maybe of Selara, the mind responsible for your presence here. Choose before your next visit. For now, though, oh well. Your moment in this world slips. The Mithril Dragon Wagon vanishes. And you return. Yeah? Your your track is saving again? Mine's not. Hmm. Maybe you're right. Okay, close it out. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, stay tuned to next week where we learn more about why you disappeared into the Mithril Dragon Wagon, of all places, and what that has to do with Return of the Rune Lords. We still plan on launching fully into actual play on August 8th of 2021. You can support the launch of this show by becoming a patron. You can find the link to that below in the show notes. What was that, David? What do you mean a poll just appeared on the Patreon page? What does it say? 